Welcome to Book Twitter. Two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. Um, Rob, before we get into our review this week, um, I thought we should take a moment and welcome new listeners who are listening on Podbean. Yeah, so if you've listened to the last few episodes, you you understand that we have recently migrated our entire podcast feed onto Podbean for, for different reasons. And we're getting we're getting listens. It's working. People know we're there. Um, but they have like a subscriber thing right on the website, so we can see like people are subscribing and their names that I don't recognize. So maybe maybe we're picking up some new people that we didn't have before. Yeah. So thank you for listening. Um, we appreciate it. Uh, maybe we'll have to do something fun for just people that follow us on Podbean. I don't know. We'd have to do something for everybody else, too, because that would be kind of crappy. But maybe we'll come up with something in the upcoming episodes, maybe a little giveaway or something. But at any rate, we're happy to have you. So far, the Podbean experience has been good. Uh, I've listened to, like, two of our episodes on Podbean just to kind of get a feel for yeah. for the sound quality and stuff. But I've also listened to a couple other podcasts. And I will tell you, I used to speak very highly of Stitcher. And I'm not saying anything bad about Stitcher. But I think I actually like Podbean better. You know what? I was looking at their little player setup. Mm -hmm. And I guess this is worth talking about because I have the app on my phone and um, hopefully I don't accidentally start playing one of our episodes. But um, when you have you played around with that? Is that what, you're, what you listened on? Yes. So when you're playing something, there's oh, see there. There it goes. That's the thing I was hoping wouldn't happen. There's that little like clock icon on the right hand side, like a or a speedometer kind of thing. And you can, when you, like, at least this is what the iPhone app looks like. And you can do, like, the different um, speeds from mm -hmm. half speed up to two and a half speed. Do you see, do you have the full voice, uh, full volume voice thing? I don't know. I'm going to open this up and take a look. The problem is, like, I select something and then I stick it back in my pocket. There's a, yeah, so. there's a button that says full volume voice EQ, which basically just, like, even if your volume's all the way up and you want to hear it louder you can tap on that and it makes it louder and then there's an intelligent speed option and this blew my mind because it cuts silence out of out of the episode holy crap i have not looked at this up oh, hold on now people hear me listening to the ben yeah. shapiro show um yeah that's uh that's pretty cool i will have to check that out that's uh, I, I have a couple four hours or so in the car over the next couple days so i intend to listen to some podcasts using that i might play with those couple features it's kind of neat too because the speed up to two and a half uh two and a half speed is at dot one intervals so like you can be like i let you know this particular podcast is great at 1.4 but this other one because you know michael david wilson talks so slow 2.1 probably better for them <laughs> So, no offense, Michael David Wilson. Oh. No one's ever going to accuse him of being unintelligible, though. Like That's that correct. guy, and yeah. and we probably talk like awful sometimes. Like today, my voice is a little bit ragged for mm -hmm. some reason that I'm not really sure of. But that guy, you're never ever going to accuse him of not being understandable. This year's Annunciation Award, booked Annunciation Award, <laughs> goes to. Michael David Wilson, for anybody who is new to the podcast, uh, Michael David Wilson is the founder, creator, and host of the This Is Horror podcast, which is interviews with, uh, by and large, people in the horror community. So that's something you definitely want to check out if uh, if you haven't yet. Absolutely. And the This Is Horror website and the This Is Horror awards and probably some nah, pa paleo diet about, thing. Let's not talk about the This Is Horror awards. Let's talk about Adjustment Day. Yeah. We... um. We're 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 uh, reviewing Adjustment Day by Chuck Palahniuk. 
I don't know. So the structure of our most of our book reviews lately has been we do like the extended synopsis and then we cut over to um, spoiler talk. Yeah. And then we kind of come back and we do our wrap ups. I feel that this will be um, the longest and at least the most pointed spoiler talk we've ever done. Yeah, I agree. So let's uh, let's kick it off. For anybody who's not familiar with Chuck Palahniuk, Rob is going to read you his bio. <clears throat> Chuck Palahniuk's novels are the best-selling Fight Club, which was made into a film by director David Fincher. Diary, Lullaby, Survivor, Haunted, and Invisible Monsters. Portions of Choke have appeared in Playboy, and Palahniuk's nonfiction work has been published by Gear, Black Book, The Stranger, and The Los Angeles Times. He lives in the Pacific Northwest. I'm going to do a little history lesson. Um, although we have no relationship with Chuck Palahniuk, um, early on in this podcast, it was established that many writers that we've grown to know, respect, um, love, friends of the podcast, uh, occasional co-hosts of the podcast, a lot of them, uh, Chuck Palahniuk was a turning point um, for them. So although we have no direct relationship with Chuck Palahniuk, um, we do know people that have um, have co-hosted events with him, for example, like Brandon Teets. Uh, we know people who um, have worked on his website, uh, both, uh, well, I guess originally, what was, do you remember what his website was? The, the Cult? The Cult. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, people are involved with him, you know, in, in current endeavors and stuff. So if you're one of those people... <laughs> I'm going to suggest that um, you keep an open mind um, as we're going to review this book. And Rob and I have already uh, kind of talked a little bit, although we don't really talk much about the the books um, before we review them. The sense that we're both going to land um, kind of in the same place on this one. And it's it's not going to be a very uh, Polonic friendly episode. I'm, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> right. And so to belabor Livius's point a little bit. I'm going to make the bold proclamation that without Chuck Palahniuk writing and publishing Fight Club, um, we wouldn't know a good portion of the authors that we know. Probably a good portion of the authors that we know wouldn't be authors. Um, because, like you said, that was like he was ground zero for an entire generation of, of writers. And I strongly believe that. Um, he made people believe, oh, this is possible. This is something that you can do. And then they tried to do it themselves. And so like his, uh, his literary weight is, I, I will never challenge that because the man is responsible for, I mean, realistically, we might not be doing this podcast if like the road had taken a different direction without Polonic. It's interesting that you say that. I, I, I think I think you might be right on that. I'm not, I'm not going to disagree with you. I, let's go. Let's go and say I'm not going to disagree with you. I'm going to give that <laughs> some thought though. Would this exist if Chuck Palahniuk wasn't a person? It's tricky. Um, it would yeah. be a different podcast. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so I'm going to read you the synopsis um, for Adjustment Day and Buckle in Kids. It's a long one. People pass the word only to those they trust most. Adjustment Day is coming. They've been reading a mysterious book and memorizing its directives. They are ready for the reckoning. 
Adjustment Day, the author's first novel in four years, is an ingeniously comic work in which Chuck Palahniuk does what he does best, skewer the absurdities in our society. Smug geriatric politicians bring the nation to the brink of a third world war in an effort to control the burgeoning population of young males. Working class men dream of burying the elites and professors propound theories that offer students only the bleakest future. Into this, hmm, Rob, I might need your help here. Dyspeptic? Dyspeptic. Dyspeptic time, a blue-black book is launched carrying such wisdom as, imagine there's no God, there is no heaven or hell. There's only your son and his son and his son and the world you leave for them. The weak want you to forgo your destiny just as they've shirked theirs. A smile is your best bulletproof vest. When Adjustment Day arrives, it fearlessly makes real the logical conclusion of every separatist fantasy, alternative fact, and conspiracy theory lurking in the American psyche. Rob, what does that word mean? What is dyspeptic? Dyspeptic? Um, let's ask Siri. Hey Siri, define dyspeptic. Right. As an adjective, it means before having indigestion or consequent irritability or depression. Do you want to hear the remaining one? No. Did she just call you a motherfucker? Did you? Oh no, you wait, that, that was no? a different thing. Yeah, no, just barely. Something about having indigestion. Yeah, I think it's like uh, being being like ups like stomach upset or something. I don't know. Okay, I got it. I guess you can have a. I I I almost like one time when I had my pancreatitis, they thought I had a peptic ulcer. So oh. maybe it's like yeah, of the digestive, the gastrointestinal tract, like discomfort or something. Gotcha. So used in that term, it's just people are unhappy. Essentially, is what that. Yeah. that Literally. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um. Yeah. I uh, I only have one issue with this, but it's kind of a big issue. Um, an ingeniously comic work. Did you find anything in this book funny? That's all right. And so we'll probably either we'll go into this later or we'll just go into it when we do. But um, I shared an article with Livius, a Vice article um, in which uh, Polnick is interviewed um, about this book. And, and obviously they nobody can fucking resist asking a fight club question when they interview him, which is really annoying if you ask me. But um <clears throat> He, uh, well, I guess there's a little bit of a, of a crossover that makes sense. But anyway, um, in this article, he, he, at least in one answer he gave, and maybe multiple, emphasized the, the humor of the book. And I don't, and this isn't me being funny or being critical. I don't remember, like, being like, oh, that's funny, like, for, for any of it. Yeah, and, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to ask you. And and aside outside of this podcast, I mean, I, one of us, and I'm not I'm not going to say which one is which. One of us is a little more liberal, and one of us is a little more conservative. Yeah. So I thought, well, if one of us doesn't get it, maybe the other one gets the humor. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I was asking it is kind of a, a serious question. If you would have said, yeah, there was a lot of kind of funny shit in this, I, I would have been, I, you know, I, I would have accepted it, but I would have been a little surprised. Right, and we've read enough books, and I think that we have enough a level of intelligence to suss out when someone's trying to be funny. If if we, we even if we don't think it's funny, you know what I'm saying. So mm-hmm. I, I would yep. I would imagine that we'd be like, oh, that joke fell flat, or you know something like that. And I never, yeah. there wasn't really a moment where I was like, oh, he he, you know, at all. Right. It's a pretty grim book, if you if you if you ask me. <laughs> it's we're gonna talk about that. 
a lot, I think. So typically Rob and I, and mostly Rob, um, we'll put together notes and the notes will have like a detailed character list. And um, we, we don't have one this week. Um, which I think is probably indicative of, of and we're going to get into the story, but I want to explain why we're not mentioning people necessarily by name. There is a huge cast of characters, and uh, none of them, in my opinion, were developed to a point that I gave a shit about them. So I don't really need <laughs> to talk about character. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to get into you know this particular character. There's one character I actually was interested in in this book, um, and he doesn't. Well, none of them have a lot of time. I was but sure you were going to say Miss Josephine. No, no, no. Oh, God, no. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. Where where to start? Um, this book takes It begins. Um, our reading of it begins uh, the day, essentially the day before Adjustment Day. Um, so uh, I, I don't even know how to start because it's also told in kind of a, a, a back and forth style. Like we go back to what leads up to this, the actual acts that lead up to it. But essentially, groups of people, um, groups of men all over the place are, uh, are are planning things. Like, things are in motion. They're digging out, like, huge holes in the ground. And there's kind of this air of things that are going to be happening. Um, and, and the characters who are in the know refer to it as Adjustment Day. Uh, everybody else is waiting to see if we begin um, another war. So these two things kind of uh, go, are going to go down at the same time. Um, uh, war is imminent. We're about to declare war when Adjustment Day begins. And Adjustment Day consists of, and we can get into the reasons why, uh, the, the, by large, in large part, the murder of, but really the taking of the left ear of people who are on a list of most hated people in the United States. Did I sum that up okay? Yeah, um, it, yeah. I don't think we're going to be able to just do our our, our traditional um, rehashing of a narrative because it's really all over the place and it starts it starts in the middle and it ends in the middle, kind of, and it's just like all over the place. Like timelines don't. Um, it's not like a linear timeline. There's multiple timelines that kind of bounce, like Livius was saying back and forth between each other so it's hard to just give you an idea of what the because like we either have to give you a linear timeline of what happens which doesn't represent what happens in the book or we'd have to tell you what happens in the book which is nonsense from a linear perspective right <laughs> yes <laughs> so I, I think i'm going to cover this we follow a variety of people and, and essentially i'm not really clear there's a bunch of things i'm not really clear on but I mentioned the taking of the left ear, which probably sounds really odd to somebody who hasn't read the book. Trust me, if you've read the book, it would sound equally odd. Um, a list is put up online. And for example, I go on and I add Rob Olson's name to the list. And uh, over a course of three days, um, Rob can accumulate votes and either stay on the list. And if he doesn't accumulate in the top however many votes, he drops off the list. So come adjustment day, the highest person on the list, the capture of that person's left ear gives you, say, 10,000 votes towards who the the leader of your new country, I guess. I don't know if they ever say it, but really kind of like a territory yeah. is going to be. And those territories are broken up into three parts. They are Caucasia, Gaysia, and Blacktopia. So um, in the event that you didn't catch how this was going to break up, 
white people were going to have <laughs> one part of the country. Black people were going to have a second part of the country. And gay people are going to have a third part of the country. And they can run those parts of the country however they see fit. They no longer have to deal with people of another race um, or of another sexual orientation if you're in Gaza. Um, and that's it. Asians, um, Israelis, and I, I guess there was no real mention. A lot of There wasn't a lot of mention of Hispanics, was there? Yeah, the Mexicans. Um, it was mentioned enough that they just self um, self-identified. Well, they they uh, what was it? They self-deported, kind of. Oh, that's you they, know yeah. you're, you're correct. Yeah. So Asians and um, and and Jews were uh, have been sent back to their own countries, uh, in, in the words of the book. So, um, and and all that's left in the United States are, are um, blacks, whites, and gays. Which is weird, but um, yeah. So um, fueling this uh, movement. I guess we'll talk a little bit about the structure of, of how this happened. There's basically a group of people who um, were recruited to uh, basically enact this adjustment day. So it, it started with one person who had a group of like, um, uh, you know, several real loyal followers. And he told them, you know, you recruit someone who you trust and who's going to be ready to kill a bunch of bitches and cut their ears off on adjustment day. Um, who believes in in our um, ideals for what the country should be like, and then that person will recruit someone uh, for you know with the same you know set of of kind of like qualifications or whatever, and on and on. So this this original group of people has a lineage of like referrals, I guess in a way of recruitment, and those are the people who would be the ones. On adjustment day, um, taking over the country, the United States, basically by killing a bunch of um, politicians and and um, professors, like people in academia, and was there a different group? There was like journalists, the the, the media, um, and then and collecting their ears and whoever you know, like Livia said, the ears equal votes. So like the more votes you you, and then they were identified through DNA. But anyway. The more votes you gain through the ears you've collected kind of sets you up as being how powerful you are because you have the votes um, and, and your, your, I guess, wealth is determined by, by that. Um, and how everybody knows what the, what the ideals of this group are is, is through a book. Uh, what was it called? The Talbot or something like that? Ryan, um, Talbot Reynolds is yeah. the author of the book. But wasn't the book itself just called the Talbot, or was the money called Talbots? I can't remember. <laughs> the money was called Talbots. I don't remember what the book was called. The book might have been. You would think we would know the book because it was mentioned all the time. Yeah, the Talbot um, book. Yeah. Um, so he he wrote a book, and then um, on adjustment day, they also had um, like all media, TV, and air, and you know, radio, and everything, basically. 24 seven was broadcasting, you know, stuff from this book, but this book was basically their Bible of like weird, like, uh, have you heard of incels? Do you know what yes. an incel is? Mm -hmm. I do. Like for anybody who's listening, who doesn't, I think it's uh involuntary celibate. Like it's just basically super like, like weirdly. Myopic. It's people who can't get laid. People who can't. Yeah. But it's men <laughs> who are angry at women because 
they won't have sex with them, I think. But it's got that kind of like, it's a very misogynistic group of people. The the people who start Adjustment Day, they're they're men who feel underappreciated and and just like they're they feel like society has screwed them over, and so they're just going to take power. And uh, this book has all the ideals um, that they that they live that they use to to kind of enact their plan. Um, and to be fair, when we say that, I guess the thing I could have drawn on is that most of these uh, people are of the military age who are going to be essentially sacrificed. There's look, there's a lot of good theory in this book and there's some really interesting things. So um, they talk and, and I, I don't I'll be honest, I, I've never heard of this before, so I don't know if this is his concoction or if this is something that's studied in. Um, oh, where would you study it? I guess history. But um, um Shit, what's the study of, like, people? Anthropology? Yeah, maybe. The the youth bulge. So that in times, um, at times, every country, every civilization has a surplus of young men. And um, out of fear of becoming irrelevant faster or whatever, old men send them off to war, which is super interesting. So I, I actually might do a little looking into that myself, like his, historically, to see if that's a that's a, an actual thing. I mean, it's total insanity, but it sounds convincing. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know if that's because I mean, it, it makes a, a it makes a certain amount of sense, right? So to get on to a, another a different um, a different book and a different theory. <laughs> um, back when I read Ishmael, I don't know, probably ten years ago or whatever. The concept there was that higher education is really only in place to keep people out of the workforce for longer, like the legitimate adult workforce for longer so that uh, the rest of us aging folks can stay, again, you know, socially relevant and, and economically relevant jobs, essentially longer. So, I, you know, I, yeah, it sounds like a grand conspiracy theory, but, you know, we keep pushing people to do more and more schooling before they can enter the, you know, I'm in air quotes, adult workforce, right? Like the, the amount of money you make as an adult versus the amount of money you make as an 18-year-old. So I wouldn't be surprised a little bit if there wasn't uh, at least some theory or some people that push certain agendas just because there's a surplus of population, young male population in this case. I think it's total insanity. So, like, right. <laughs> the pro so and and that's the thing. Like this, this book and the person who made the book and all the people that he's appealing to, are the type of people who would be like, "Oh, that's got to be it," instead of just thinking about like. He's if, saying people like me. Just say people like me. People Go like ahead. Lewis. I know that's what you're thinking. I mean, it, it, here's here's the major, here's the first major flaw in the whole like, we send kids off to war so that. There, you know, old men can still, you know, have jobs or whatever it was. Was that what it was? Or essentially, old men can yeah. be like yeah. remain relevant. If Pretty you're, much. if like, so, I guess it, it, I, my question to you, so I make sure I understand this right: Are they creating the war just to kill the baby, the kids, or are they going to war anyway? Because like, if they're going to war anyway, you're not sending old people to war. You're sending the young ones who are like capable. <clears throat> So in this book, um, and and I don't know in real life, like I said, it's not something I've ever given any thought to. So I've only had, you know, whatever, a couple of days, two days to, to really think this through. <laughs> um, in the book, I don't remember, the plan was to send them to war with somewhere in, in Africa, I believe, and then to nuke that area. 
and then yeah. call a truce so that the United States and I don't remember who the I don't even remember if the other government was named um, essentially could both clean up a ton of 18 to 24 year olds at one time. All right. The other so in the of- book, yeah, it was definitely a, a, a setup just to to, um, uh, to call the population. Um, here's another issue I have with that idea. If it's the old people who want to get rid of the young people, they're the ones who had kids, first of all. And second of all, and if it's a generational thing, they made the kids who made the kids. Second of all, typically, like, the people who are politicians are the ones that are super religious, that are pushing, like, um, abstinence instead of uh, birth control and stuff like that. So if they were worried about younger generations, wouldn't they have opposite views on those things? Let's make less kids so there's less of a threat for us. Yeah. So, all right, to not get into, um, you know, a whole philosophical debate, let's not forget that sometimes we preach things we don't practice. All of us do. You know what I mean? And that if we're talking about the controlling bodies of government, you know, they, they can't. How do I say this? They can't control over. What do we have? 300 million people in the United States? Like, three, you know, it's 340 or something. Like is that. It, yeah. So a lot of, you know what I mean? A lot of that's out of their control. But sending kids off to war wouldn't be. Yeah, well, anyway, I, I it just it's a bunch of shit, I guess, is what I'm going <laughs> right. I'm going to check and see what Alex Jones has to say about oh this. And I will. I want to go to an authority, and then I'll get back to you. Mm, yeah, well, yeah, I'll, I'll, let's figure out what courthouse he's going to be at this week. Isn't he always getting sued and shit? Um, I mean, yeah, he's gotten a, a plethora of lawsuits um, thrown at him recently. Nine, eleven, I don't know. I was reading an article about it the other day. Good for a him. bunch of them have been batted down already. Good for him. So, yeah, um, yeah. so it's a big conspiracy of people taking out the government to to create uh in in the in the in the way that the the way that's presented in the beginning of the book is that this is going to be a way for everybody to have like a chance you know the people the the people who have been always kind of like trodden under the boot will have a chance to live like a normal happy life instead of just like grinding away at something they hate uh until they die Right? Is that kind of how you how you felt? Um, that and to live amongst the people they're most comfortable living amongst. So kind of a, a two way thing. That things would be better if it was just all us gays or all us whites or all us blacks kind of doing our own thing and not having to deal with, you know, the other two. Yeah, I was uh, gonna say with the other two groups of people, I guess. Right, because conflict arises from you know, like. Clashes between gays and straights, clashes between blacks and whites, you know, that type of thing. And um, everybody getting to live amongst their people was going to make things better. Um, fucking insanity. Totally. Like, <laughs> and, 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 it's, and it's all from the pers- like the whole book is from the perspective of these idiot people who believe this nonsense. Mm-hmm. And it's, so it's like kind of constantly infuriating. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't know how much more we're going to say about like overall plot. There's some, some things I think that merit talking about, but um, yeah, it, it all goes bad. I mean, as, if you didn't see that coming, you know, it, it all goes terribly wrong. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, well, adjustment day works. Oh yeah. No, no. Yeah. I'm saying that the, the new plan, the, the aftermath <laughs> of adjustment day goes uh, very poorly. 
Um, but there's some interesting things that come up too, and some of them we're probably going to talk about in spoiler talk. But um, he does address, uh, and again, one of my issues with this book is I almost rather would have had him pick two people and follow them all the way through. Because there are no less than, what, 10, 12 storylines? Well, we'll yeah, there's into several this. for each kind of group. There's several right. of the gay people. There's several of black people. There's a ton of white people. Yeah. So there's some very interesting things that, that happen. So if I, I'll give one example of one of the stories, or at least concepts, that I thought was interesting. There is a, a black woman who's married to a white man. And they are absolutely in love. So they declare that they're gay so that they still have a hope of maybe occasionally being together in Gaja. Because if not, one would have to, I, I don't know where they were living at the time, but essentially one would be in Caucasia and one would be in Blacktopia and they would never see each other again. So that was kind of like an interesting, like what would happen if we did this, the interracial couple has some decisions to make, right? Like, so there, there was some interesting things happening there. Um, and it, some and, of the other... Hmm? And that calls out an obvious flaw in the um, being amongst your people will make you happy, is that, like, some people fall in love with people of a different race. Yeah. Sure. You yeah. know, and some people, you know, like, if you're the only gay person in your family, you're never going to see your family again. But the people who made the decisions to, to, to conduct Adjustment Day, none of them fit that mold. So yep. all of them were, um, you know, uh, <laughs> very clearly in one of the three groups without any type of hindrance or, or opposition to doing this because they only cared about what happened to them or at least didn't give thought to what might happen to even a relative of theirs who yep. um, is gay but might still want to be part of the family or, again, an interracial couple or, or a couple with an adult gay child. Yeah. So, and then there's some really interesting things in, that, that I think would be spoilery. There are some interesting developments that come out of, or at least discussion-worthy elements, if not interesting, um, <laughs> that come out of this um, after everybody's kind of situated in their own territory. Um, but yeah, it's it's I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know what else to say right now about the overall story. Yeah, I would say that if if we're if we wanted to. If I framed Adjustment Day as a product, the people who made it happen really rushed it to market because, like, you know, they focus so much on, like, I guess you can quote Jurassic Park on this one. They, they thought so much about whether they could that they never asked whether they should. Because, like, yeah. Um, yes, and is it even spoiler-really to say that, like, things went wrong? <laughs> Maybe not, but, like, it's, no. it's, it's not... It doesn't end up it, – it sounds better on paper, I guess is what I'm trying to say, like mm -hmm. literally on paper because it's these – but the other thing I guess that we could talk about a little bit is that list that you uh, sure. that you mentioned. So like um, like Livius mentioned, there was a, a list of people that uh, got voted on and basically like a vote for someone was – you know, the more votes they got, the less desirable they were in, in society and, and the more valuable they were to kill uh, or at least get their ear taken off of. Um, and so, I don't know, like, uh, it's interesting because like the, the names of politicians and, and doctors and, um, professors and, and, uh, camera, like news people all kind of floated to the top of that list. And, and so like, um, I guess I was wondering, like, they didn't really emphasize celebrities, 
but I would think that celebrities would 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 register a lot too. Like in a, you know what I'm saying? Sure. In, in so if the adjustment day was based on today's society, absolutely. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Maybe not so much 20 years ago because 20 years ago nobody hated an actor for his views or a musician. You know, you were just like that guy sings or that guy, you know, acts in yeah. movies or or whatever. But now, yeah, the line has been drawn and you're on one side of it or you're on the other. And you can draw a lot of hatred from people who are uh, extremists, I guess, or, you know, to, to the extreme left or to the extreme right. So, yeah, today, I, I think it would be politicians. I think he's right on politicians and, and media. Yeah. But, yeah, that third category would definitely be celebrities over, I think, professors. One of the – how do I say this? The thing about the list is it's never your next-door neighbor because only five guys hate your next-door neighbor, and he never stays on yeah. the list. But, you know, you, you have to be somebody whose name is in the, the public sphere in order for people to continue to vote you up. Right, to care enough to vote you, yeah. So that was an interesting um, – that's – of all the things in this book, and, I mean, it might be too obvious to say this, but that's, like – that's the one thing I'd be curious to see actually, like, tried in reality. Like, an unpopularity list, basically. Um, hopefully without the actual consequences. I don't want anybody's ear to be <laughs> yeah. cut off. Well, you know, it, but and that's the interesting thing is the list was votes. There was no way to take votes away. So there was no way for me to say, no, no, Rob Olson's an OK guy and I want to vote against him being on this list. Right. There was, so there no, was no balance. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was just if someone didn't like you, that that was it, which essentially means every politician. Right. Because there's yeah, because there's going to be a side that doesn't like you. Correct. Yep. So. Um, yeah. But like you had to get at least 3000 votes to stay on the list, which um I think that means you and I wouldn't make it that high, at least, I think. Not yet. I'm working on it. You're trying, man. Keep hanging out with Alex Jones. <laughs> remind me after the series, after the podcast, <laughs> remind me that you said keep hanging out with Alex Jones or something. I want to tell you off the air. So right. I want to address a couple of things that I thought were, were, um, were really interesting. Talbot money, Talbots, um, the design of that was super interesting in that the new old money was worthless. New money was manufactured to um, disappear. So all the printing on it would disappear in, do you remember about three months, six months? It was 60 days. 60 days. Um, and that was to keep anybody from hoarding money. And I thought that's really spectacular. Like the only thing that works is this paper money. And in order um, for you to spend it, you have 60 days to do it, which means that money keeps circulating through society and never gets to the point where somebody just hoards the money. So, uh, you know, examples today, Jeff Bezos, right? He's worth yeah. uh, in the billions, right? Like he's not sharing all that billions. And if he is, it's part of it. And billions are still staying with him. And that money never circulates down through everybody else. Now, I believe in capitalism. I believe that Bezos, you know, earned that money. Whatever the situation is, he can do with it whatever he wants. But I thought it was a super interesting concept on how the world would work if you only had 60 days to spend that money and how it became less valuable, the longer you had it, because as it starts to fade, right? Somebody knows that I can get this money, but I have to spend it. I only have 15 days or three days or a day left to spend it because it becomes um, worthless. So I thought it was kind of a, an interesting approach economically to um, solve the problem of, um, of financial inequality. Again, good on paper, but the money distribution starts out with the people at the highest points of the lineage and then kind of disseminates from there. Mm -hmm. And money is distributed on a regular basis to the people at the top. 
if I'm the person at the top and you give me X amount of money, I could just spend the stuff that I want to and then leave the others sitting around until it expires and no money goes to anybody. So I'm hoarding anyway. That's true. That's true. Um, the other concept that I was, oh, so let's talk a little bit about the Talbot Reynolds that we see, because that was the only character <laughs> I was interested in at all. So there is an actor whose name I don't remember in the book. He's an actor and, and he's done like some commercials and some TV spots. And he was in a movie once, but he goes to a casting call um, to play a politician. And he's asked to read several lines and all the lines are from the Talbot book. And uh, he thinks he's doing a pretty good job. But essentially they got in there for like two days just reading line after line after line. When he's done, they're like, we're going to get in touch with your agent. And they hand him an envelope with $10,000 in cash and send him on his way. He unwittingly becomes the face of this, which also causes another problem for me that we're going to talk about in spoiler talk. But he's this guy who basically whose face launches adjustment day. And is uh, on TV nonstop after Adjustment Day all the time on the radio. And and he's the, like, really only kind of, like, unwitting participant in any of this. But he's killed pretty quickly. So I was sad that we didn't yeah. get to spend more time with him. He would have been an interesting character to follow through in this uh, in this book. Yeah, I mean, they did do that one chapter. Oh, I, I shouldn't say chapter, and we'll get to that in a second. Um, they did do that. Uh, he did that one part where we did revisit the actor like weeks or whatever later mm-hmm. where like, and there it was like a whole, like just explanation of in great detail, how the guy's body is decomposing, yeah. which I thought was a little unnecessary. Um, but yeah, that guy was just one and done. You got his chat, your, your, your section of the book with him. And then, you know, he came back as a rotting corpse, like halfway through the book. You want to talk about chapters really quick? Sure. We won't have to. Yeah, really quick. We won't have to talk about them for long. There's no chapters. There was no fucking chapters. And I got like 20% into this book and I'm like, how am I going to, how am I breaking this up? How am I supposed to know like the pace of this? There's no chapters. It's just one continuous, um, uninterrupted. There's not even like section break icons like you sometimes see. When when the when the the change is significant enough to to mark it as a different section, but not significant enough to like mark a new chapter, like you have those little section markers. There wasn't even that, so it was just like paragraph after paragraph, and like you'd realize, oh, this is from another person's perspective. I wonder if that layout's different in the in the paper books. We both read it on on Kindle, right? Um, I can answer that. Oh, that's right, because you have a copy of it, don't I, you? No, but um, oh. friend of the friend of the podcast, Jesse Lawrence, has a copy, okay. um, and he, at one point, <laughs> I just I was texting and I, I said something like, "It's really weird that there are no chapters," and he's like, "Yeah, that was really worry that that was really uh, what do you say that was really pissing me off or that was really yeah. stressing me out or something like that." Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't. There's nothing else I want to talk about that's not spoilery. Everybody listening, if you are not giving us a dollar a month at least um, at Patreon, you should probably get going on that today uh, while you're listening to this because Spoiler Talk is going to be a profundity of discussion, I believe. And um, we recently updated our pledge uh, options, which is a lot simpler than they used to be. A dollar a month gets you early access to episodes you know, up to about 24 hours in advance. It's never exactly that. Um, but it also gives you access to spoiler talk and other exclusive um, recorded content that is only available on Patreon. 
spoiler talk being probably the biggest thing that we do. Um, but then you want to talk a little bit about the other, uh, like award levels. Sure. So $5 a month is the mug. Um, Rob, Rob mugs, last year's mugs. Yeah. Already ordered and on their way to patrons. <laughs> the 2017, the long awaited 2017 mug is as far as we know, like they're on trucks right now going out to the people who gave us five bucks a month, right? Correct. And we're hard at work on the 2018 um, logo or design. So for anybody who doesn't isn't aware, um, in 2016, we had a mug with um, like a picture, uh, a drawing uh, that was a two bodied person, I guess you could say, because mm-hmm. it's not two headed. There was two torsos that shared like legs. One was a vampire and the other was like a Viking looking person. It was named Throblivious. Mm-hmm. And that is like the kind of monster amalgam of, of Livius and I. So that was the 2016 mug. And the 2017 mug is audio waveform of uh, one of us. I don't remember who saying welcome to booked where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super, super cool looking mug. Um, and those will be in $5 and up contributor hands uh, shortly. I, I imagine that you're right. By the time people are hearing this, it should they should be shipped. Yeah. So that's the $5 level. And there's only one other level right now. Uh, the $10 level is is actually kind of a huge discount. Used to be at $25 a month, you could choose one book for us to review per year. And then you would, we you know... There was always a possibility of you joining us to review the book as well. Now at the $10 a month level, um, you can choose choose a review. Um, and it is limited to 12. So we'll do up to 12 choose a review kind of options per year. There are currently two slots taken. So if you want to be um, able to choose a book for us to review each year and maybe come on and review it with us, probably want to get over there and start start registering for that. I am terrified at the thought that 12 people will be able to pick books that we have to read and talk about. Uh, yeah, it's so. been, it's been a rocky road so far. So yeah. Anyway, join us in spoiler talk. We're about to go over there right now, uh, or sign up for Patreon. You got the $1, $5, $10 levels, and, um, there's just a lot of cool stuff. So you should definitely do that. Hey everybody. Thanks for waiting literally milliseconds since we headed over to spoiler talk for, Livius and I, it's probably been about 35 minutes. <laughs> well, I don't know about you, but I feel much better about this book now that we've hashed out some stuff, right? Yeah. Um, one thing I will point out in Spoiler Talk, we don't really, it's 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 exclusive to Patreons and we don't really talk about what we talk about, but usually we talk about whether it was like exciting or not. But one thing that we did at the beginning before we started all of our complaining was to establish that we wanted to to state that we had an understanding of what Polnick was trying to do before we started to tear it down. And I think that's important because, like, like you can just complain about a book, but if your complaints go against what the intent of the book was, then you're really not doing anything, right? So, Yes, that's a very our, good point. Our criticism was very constructive. Speak for yourself. I, somewhat constructive. Uh, <laughs> I am so almost done talking about this book. Wrap it up. I had quotes, um, but my quotes were like this weird mix of, oh, I really like that idea. Oh, I really like that line. And then, oh, my God, what the fuck is happening in this entire passage? And there are quotes that are like, 
like four paragraphs long. Like I just kept dragging my finger down the page angrily. Um, and I think I addressed most of those in spoiler talk. So, but I'm going to skip over. I'm not going to do any quotes. Um, I can't say enough what a fan I was of Chuck Palahniuk's um, work. And, you know, I hate saying early work or whatever, but I had a conversation with someone recently and I had mentioned um, Invisible Monsters. And, and I, I was so excited um, talking about Invisible Monsters that I said, it's probably one of like the best 25 books I've ever read. Um, and I, I've read a lot of books, right? So that's not a, that's not a small, um, you know, that's not a small thing to say. I know people who have read 25 books their whole life. So all of their books, every book they've read is their favorite, you know, is in their top 25. Um, God damn it. I miss that guy. I miss that Chuck Palahniuk. And, um, you know, I took to Amazon right after finishing the book. There was only 15 reviews or something. I think it's coming out to like three stars. Um, and, you know, it was mixed. It was it was Chuck Palahniuk's great and this book's great and it shows us what this country could become if we let, you know, the radicals do what they want to do. And the other ones sounded a little bit more like this wrap up. Um, I was really disappointed. You know, I think I said during spoiler talk that I was offended and I want to take that back because something someone writes in a book can't offend me. But I do think that a lot of this book was offensive um, to whites, to blacks, to gays. Um, to everybody, to everybody in the book. I mean, even just kind of dismissing the Asians and the Jews was almost kind of offensive too. You know what I mean? Like I said, the, the Hispanics just they just decided to leave on their own. I, I know what he was trying to do, and there are some great concepts. And we talked a little bit about it. spoiler talk. I mentioned earlier how fascinated I was by the idea of Talbot Bucks, and, and you know, and some other things that, that that he brought up, and little problems that he brought up inside of this big story. Were, were, I thought, you know, thought out and interesting and interesting ways to explore, but they were all really small pieces of a story that overall didn't work for me in any way, shape, um, or form. Um, and nothing wrong with the actual writing, you know, the actual writing was fine. I think that I don't think Polonix lost a step in his, in his line by line writing. Um, it, it flowed pretty well from that standpoint, but overall the book is messy um, and it just meandered too much. And like I said, it's, it's gotta be offensive in, in the culture that we live in. Almost everything is offensive. And this book does not try to keep from doing that. And it does it very pointedly, um, in a variety of ways at, at everybody, which I guess makes it better that it's offensive to everybody. I, I don't know. I don't know what it does. Um, Overall, I don't have anything to say. I didn't enjoy this book at all. I'm going to give it one star. All right. So I guess um, as Olivia's was doing his wrap up, I was trying to think of like, what was Chuck's overall goal? Like, what was the result he was hoping for with this book? It's never a good way to start a wrap up to try and like figure out why. <laughs> like, <laughs> that means something went wrong. That obviously means something went wrong. Um, but I was trying to think of like, so if his goal was to say to the people who are extreme, um, hey, this is why you're going to fail. Um, I don't think it worked. And if his goal was to to say to the people who aren't extreme, like, um, you know, in, in a very blunt and, and aggressive way, like, this is what I think would happen if the people that you're against, you know, got their way, those people are just going to be like, yeah, duh, we know that. So I, I really don't see what the positive impact of this book is going to be. Um, it was written in a very aggressive way. Like Livia said, 
that has the potential to be very offensive to pretty much everybody. And, and, and I was trying to think of an analogy. It would be like, um, like if someone was like a rape victim and you were like, here's what's wrong about rape. And then you described horrible rape. Like that is not, you know what I'm saying? It's not, it's not productive. Um, and in, in following that example, like, even if you said it in a satirical way, who's it helping? It's the rapist is not going to stop raping because you said that. And the victim is probably just going to be forced to remember all the shit that they went through. So, uh, it may be a bad example, but like, that's kind of what the book did was it was just very blunt and, and forceful with the message that it was trying to send, which, um, I don't really even kind of have a clear understanding of what it was, but I think it was like, these people are wrong. This is what would happen. And, 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 you know, it's weird. So it's, it's confusing to me because trying to understand why he wrote it or what, what the overall like final uh, uh, result he wanted is, is very difficult for me. Analyzing it from like the perspective of just like a story. um, It is very flawed. It's got too many characters. Um, it's got timelines that are confusing, and, and it's just nothing ever. There was no cohesion with the overall narrative, even if you're working with like a a broken timeline. If you're working with multiple characters and stuff, there's ways to do it that work, and I'm sure that we've read bunches of them. In this case, it just didn't work as a narrative. So it's very aggressive, very offensive. Um uh oh. Series giving us her uh, her wrap up. No, shut up. Here's my speaker. I got one of those HomePod speakers that Apple makes, and uh, you can just talk to Siri through it. And apparently, Siri wants to... pretty cool, by the way. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Oh yeah, you saw it in my apartment. I, I guess I'm belaboring the point. Um, the book just doesn't work. Uh, if Paul and Chuck, if you're listening and, and you think I got it wrong, let me know. You can reach out to us, book podcast on Twitter or find us on Facebook, whatever, because like, I don't want to misunderstand and misrepresent a book if I just didn't get the point. So uh, like, that's my olive branch for, for Chuck Polnick or, you know, someone who can get me to Chuck Polnick. I'm happy to hear how I got this wrong, but, but as, as it stands and as a reader who finished reading a book, my opinion is like, he missed the mark. And so I'm going to be a little more generous than Livia. So I'm going to give it a star and a half. Way to one up me, bro. <laughs> Can we talk about, I mean, the risk of failing when you're trying to make a point with a book is much higher than just telling a story. So not all yeah. books have a purpose, right? Like I'm turning around. I have a very small book collection um, because every book I have essentially is signed or I expect will be signed in the you know foreseeable future. But as I look on, on my shelf, there, there's just so many books that just tell engaging stories that aren't really trying to drive a message home. And the risk, young writers out there, <laughs> is that if you try to tell a big social um, story or a parable, a social parable, um, your risk of missing the mark is much, much higher than 
writing a story about a guy who falls in love with a dame and there's a heist or whatever it is that yeah. you're, you know, your, your storytelling is. And I don't know. I mean, like, I don't, how do I say this? Fight Club has become an, an iconic book about our culture, right? I don't know if it was meant to be an iconic book about our culture because you can read Fight Club as just a good story. Right. And and then maybe like try to infer that there are things there about society or, or whatever. And maybe every one of Polonick's books was supposed to tell this big, um, you know, social parable. And, and maybe I just missed it. And maybe that's why I did, you know, really liked his work because I could read stories that were just stories that weren't trying to point out that, you know, these people are wrong and these people are wrong and these people have, I don't know, I was going to say something really spoilery. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I just thought like, Hey, it's, it's, I'm, I'm really want to know what happens to this person and, and people disappeared from this book as, as individuals, which maybe, maybe that's why it was written the way it was so that we would understand that nobody is an individual and everybody is just part of a culture or whatever. I, I don't know, but I'm done. I'm done talking about it. <laughs> so uh, you made me think of a couple of things. Um, uh, first of all, Fight Club, when you think about it, like you've got your protagonist and you have like at least the you've got two potential like relationships, big ones, right? Yeah. More or less. Mm -hmm. Sure. And so like the evolution of the people and also the evolution of the relationship is, is the f in the foreground. All of the social commentary is in the background and so i think that's why it's palatable because it's about people still this book is is like it's mo it's more like um an anthrop anthropo anthropological like examination social mm -hmm. sociological examination yep. uh, of of ideas and and maybe that's why we couldn't uh connect with it as much but <sighs> i read this article on vice in which uh Polnick is interviewed i mentioned it earlier and one of the things, he has this weird fixation with how people are going to think about his writing in the future that started around the time that the um, Burnt Tongues anthology came out that he, uh, mm -hmm. that he co-edited and he wrote the introduction to. In that book, which was, what, 2015, maybe? Give or take, yeah. In the, in, the, in the introduction that he wrote to the book, he said something like, something to the effect of, and I'm just going to boil this down for like the sake of brevity, if you, don't, if you read a story and you don't like it now, read it again in five years. And, and his idea makes sense, and it's that, you know, over time, you change, you read more books, you gain new opinions, things happen to you, and you're always going to be changing, so you might have a different feeling about this story. And I understand the positive vibe of that. But it also sounds like a cheap way of saying like you didn't you didn't read it right. So in this Vice article, he's talking about um the question is, so what prompted you to write a comedy about genocide in America? I take it you aren't worried about offending people. Polnick says, Don't believe all the jacket copy you read. If George Orwell's 1984 premiered nowadays, the dust jacket would probably promise a zany, sexy romp that takes place right under the prudish nose of Big Brother. So he's basically saying, like, this book 20 years from now, 30 years from now, 40 years from now, the you know, the culture is going to have an opinion that may be entirely different than what it is now. Is he it, claiming this is prophetic? Because people say 1984 is happening, right? So you've got your smart speaker just came on because it was listening to what you were saying. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we can't go anywhere without a camera. Is he actually implying that there's going to be a Caucasia 
I don't know. It, it, possibly. I, I That's not how I took it. But I took it as him. I took it as him, like, basically saying, if my writing's not significant now, it will be one day. Hmm. Which sounds douchey. Yeah, just a little bit. And it, and it wouldn't have meant anything if it was the first time he said something like that. But this is now at least the second time he said something about how something will be interpreted when there's some distance between when it was first published and, and when it's, you know, being judged. It's just yeah. weird. It's conspicuous to me. The first time I, I, I took that a little differently, there's probably stuff that, um, you know, so let's go back 20 years. I was 25 stuff. I read then that I love that maybe I wouldn't like as much. Right, right. Maybe there's stuff I put down then because it was a little heavy or it was a little whatever. And I'm at a different place in my life and how I look at things. So, you know, so that's how I took his his burnt tongues. I remember specifically us talking about that when we reviewed burnt yeah. tongues. So I, I don't I don't know. I, I don't imagine there's going to be a adjustment day movie. I would imagine not. Probably not. <laughs> Let's throw that out there. Um, um, it's not getting the best reviews on Amazon. No, it's not. And here, I mean, I, I don't wish the guy any harm. I don't wish him poorly. I hope he has a great career. And I hope that, you know, more people like this book than, than don't. But I'm that, I mean, I'm not going to do, I'm not saying prayers about it or anything like I, yeah, I don't know. Can I talk about something Rob. else? Yeah. Rob, I understand that there is an important baby update. Now, before you go on, <laughs> I do want to say that quite possibly the weirdest segment we've ever had on this podcast occurred uh, one week ago, whenever that got posted in our yeah. last interlude. Yeah, last episode. Uh, so I am waiting with bated breath because I wanted to kick off the show with a baby update. But people come here for the book review, right? So um, can you please provide us with, with with an update on your situation from last week? So if you haven't, if you haven't listened before, go on. Uh, Rob's not going to rehash his 20-minute so, story about a baby. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I have, um, yeah, I do have a key baby update. So um, where we left to the story is um, the the baby was absent from my neighbor's apartment after a bunch of shit went down. And I didn't know what happened to the baby. Uh, since that time, I, I think within a couple of days, I, I heard the baby crying again. So the baby was back. Um, and so like, ooh, all is well. You know, I was relieved. I think I slept better the night that I heard the baby crying again. Excellent news. Um, excellent news. And in the, in the meantime, I haven't heard the baby as often, but I have heard it consistently. So I'm wondering if maybe there's some like... Um, someone helping out and watching the baby every now and then, or maybe like a custody thing changed or something like that. Because, um, I still hear the baby. Um, but I don't, I don't, I don't as often. That's terrific. Again, I want to reiterate, cause I really have, especially after listening back to it, I was like, Hey, this is just bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but B, I was like, I feel for you, man. Like I genuinely like, you know, especially, you know, so when you're involved in a conversation, you're involved, right? Yeah. But we have the unique, almost unique ability to go back sometimes and listen to these conversations, right. and then you're not involved. And I think I felt worse about it after listening back to right. it. So, yeah, I, I'm the same way. When I was editing yeah. that, I was like, oh, man, this is weirder than I thought it was. Mm -hmm. um, so kind of a happy ending. I'm, I'm happy that um, – and, and also, it means I'm not a bad person. 
No, that does. That's not what it means. Oh, all right. Can we? I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> um, you know, also babies do cry less and less the 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 older that they get. And I'm yeah. not saying that to be funny. It's just yeah, that yeah. sometimes they catch their rhythm of when they sleep. And once you figure out, like you know, when the baby's going to want to eat. You know what I mean? So right. you can kind of start to pinpoint and in um, relieve the 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 displeasure of the baby. Um, you know, here and there. Yeah. Ahead of time. So. Anything else happening on your phone? I'm boring. I depend. I come to this microphone every week, depending on you to make my life more exciting. So any, do you have anything else? So now that you say that, though, it makes me think that, like, I just think about things in my life deeper than you do. Like, you probably dismiss things that are inter- interesting on a regular basis, whereas I, like, linger on them and think about them too much. It's probably very true. But that's where we're at. So you get to hear my story about a pizza girl. Um, there's a place, so I was at work today and there's a place eh, about five minute drive from, from my work where, um, it's just this pizza place. And the reason I like to go there is there, there's this, they give you a massive slice of pizza. That's like, probably like if you had a large pizza, it's probably a quarter of, of the pizza. Nice. But it's one big slice. And then, um, like a side of fries and like a can of, you know, pop. I say pop. Did we get into this before? Yeah, you say it wrong. That's okay. Uh, well, I always go with the pib extra because they don't have Dr. Pepper, so I have to get the pib um, for $6. So it's $6.01 for that bonanza of food. That does sound like a very good value. And it's close by, so I get to, like, you know, listen to some podcasts or whatever as I kind of truck over there and get my food. And there's this um, girl that works there, and she works... Kind of like every time I go there, she's the one working the counter. So she must be like the day girl or day manager or whatever she happens to be. Um, It's like her. And then there's like always a guy back there working the oven. And so I've been there enough recently where like she recognizes me when I come in and, you know, makes a little bit of small talk. And so today I make my order. She takes my money. I grab my doctor, my Mr. Pib. I almost upgraded him to a doctor. And um, I'm just sitting around like on a bench waiting for my food to show up. And um, and she, she starts making small talk. She's like, oh, how's work today? And I said, eh, kind of boring. And I waited to see if that was it or if there was like or if she expected like, a you know, a continuous small talk until the food showed up kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so she continued and I was like, all right, well, I guess we're having a conversation. So I kind of, you know, I asked questions back, just kind of like little questions like, oh. What time do you guys open? And she says, what time do I get off? <laughs> <laughs> and I gave her the benefit of the doubt. I was like, oh, no, I was just asking what time you guys open up in the morning. And she tells me. And then uh, I thought maybe she didn't hear me well because we were kind of far apart. So I stood up and I walked over to, to stand at the, across the counter from her and continue the conversation. And, and as we're as we're talking, I would maybe ask a question here or there. And no, no less than like three more times when I ask a question, she mishears it and says, what time am I getting off? Ooh. And I'm like, <laughs> you're like, this poor girl has a hearing problem. And our listeners <laughs> right now are bashing their heads against their dashboards in their car, listening to this. I'm like, she's cute and all, but I can't just be repeating myself all the time. I'm never taking her on a date. <laughs> So, um, I, like, I took it as, 
like not so subtle flirtation, right? Mm-hmm. And and I didn't do anything about it. I let it I let it just drop. But I told her it wasn't because I, I don't know, man. I was there to get food. I wasn't ready. You know what I'm saying? It's not like I opened up Tinder and there she was. I ordered a fucking slice of pizza. <laughs> yeah, she actually tried to start a conversation with me in person. I don't know what yeah, the fuck I'm do with do. this. Yeah. If it's not Rob, a Craigslist ad. I am going to make a recommendation. Is this a young lady that you would like to go out with? Like, if you just had to say yes or no right now? Um, I would I would say yes. Okay. So my advice to you is walk in there tomorrow or whatever the next time is reasonable for you to go there. <laughs> but like, like in your rhythm, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. if you go there once a week, then wait until next Wednesday or whatever the fuck day today is. And uh, walk in there, say, hey, how you doing? I'm going to take a cheese and a Mr. Pib and uh, the fries, extra ketchup, whatever. And then when she says, how you doing today? Say, what time do you get off? <laughs> and then plan on doing something that evening. Uh, see? I kind of have to now. Not necessarily because, like, I want to, but because I want a follow-up story for the podcast, at least. Yeah, cool. Listen, in, in six weeks, when she finds this episode and hears yeah, that, you're yeah. fucked, bro. <laughs> so just, that's all I'm going to say. You're fucked. No. Um, I, then, yeah, it's just this weird social interaction where... Um, I, I wasn't ready for, I wasn't ready to be flirted with at all, and I wasn't ready for like, you know, she was really putting it out there. If 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 she was if she wasn't like legit hard of hearing, right? Dude, there's no way she would have asked the same thing four times or three <laughs> times. Like that's not, like if you would have said, "What time do I get off?" and then other, you know, and then the next time you were like, "I said, oh, it looks like it's gonna rain today," and she was like, "Did did you just say it's gonna snow?" Like right. then I'd be like, okay, no, there's something fucking wrong with her. No, she was she was definitely, she was definitely sending vibes your way. And if not, uh, if she didn't mean that, yeah, you could be like, last time you misheard me four times. This time I just wanted right. to, you know, you know what I mean? Just like make you could it, play it, yeah, yeah. Make it a, a an in joke. Like it's your joke. Like joke, then yeah. every time you walk in there, you have to ask yeah. her what time she gets off, kind of thing. So yeah, and I and and so like I'm sure. Going back to Rob has interesting stories. You've probably had something similar like that happen. And you've never thought to share it with anybody. But for me, I like on the drive back to work, I was I was analyzing it in my head. And then <laughs> in the break room talking to people, I had to tell the story like four times. So it was very rehearsed by the time I got on the podcast. Um, and, and so, yeah, I just I couldn't. Did you tell any female coworkers this story? Yeah. And I would just like to hear what one of their reactions you was to that. Unanimously. <laughs> Everybody, <laughs> nobody was like, "Oh, she's probably just you know, not hearing you right." Nobody said that. Everybody said that she was, she was flirting with me. So yeah, that's not even flirting, dude. That's brazen shit right there. That's that's not even that's not even like the little flip of the hair and a giggle at your dumb joke. Right. That's that, that's that's yeah. one that's one step like that's one step before like just like pulling up your shirt. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, probably. You know, the other approach you could take is when you walk in there and she asks what what you want. You could be like, just ask me what time I get off work. Ah, look at you. Ah, that's another. That's another. Yeah. That's another angle you could take. Should I? So should I? Like, um, should I Facebook Live this? As it goes, you down? know what? That would be wonderful. <laughs> but no, you should no, not. Because no. again, I'm just picturing that this goes really, really well, and then you're telling me we have to take down episode whatever number this is. <laughs> like we just have to take it down. We go and I'll right be like, from, did yeah. Chuck Nick's lawyers call? And you'll be like, no, the fucking pizza girl has started listening and she's only three episodes away. Yeah, so there it is. Like, 
that's my pizza girl story. Um, apparently now I have to date her. It would, uh, it would be good for the podcast, my friend at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be our, that's gonna be on uh, Patreon spoiler talk next week. <laughs> so you got baby update, baby's good pizza girl so, story, totally going just for patrons. Yeah, we're gonna go out for for like different pizza. I think to a different pizza place. Oh, don't take her to a pizza place. I would go never get do co- that. That's yeah. Meet her for coffee. <sighs> yeah, that's the other thing. Dating has to like. Oh, I love talking about dating on the podcast. Because remember we talked about like the apps and like it's just like a whole hierarchy now like you usually don't go for a meal on the first date did you know this no i did not know this there's like a safety date where it's just coffee or drinks or something that's quick that you can bail on yeah that makes sense and it's just I mean, to like I, test I the would water think, i would think if i was in the dating market too i would not um pick somebody up at this point, it would definitely have to be a meet situation. Oh, yeah. You have to meet in a neutral location yeah. where, where each of you showed up individually, independently. Yep. Correct. Yes. And then the girl has to check in with somebody every like 39 seconds or something like that. Does she have to when she's come on to you that way, though? Like that's. Well, that's the thing. I, yeah, this she's... might be different. She might just be you, like, give you were me. not the aggressor here or ever, probably. But yeah. Oh, yeah. You know me well. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna read to you. I just scrolled through. Uh, Rob and I have an ongoing um, conversation in Slack. Yeah, buddy. Um, yeah. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Rob months ago, um, a month ago, sent me something he came across on a dating site, and it is a uh, it is a picture of a fairly attractive African American <laughs> young lady who is dressed in, I don't know, something like the top pictures look like she's going to medieval times. The bottom pictures look like she needs to put some pants on. Um, there's like four pictures on the on the thing. Uh, she's an 88% match, I'm assuming that means with you, right? The little circle with the yeah, percentage the mark? personality. Here's, yeah. here's who matches with Rob. 88%. I'm going to read this to you um, phonetically. Damn. Some of you guys really know how to bore the tampon out of my pussy. I don't swap picks. I don't drive. I don't. <laughs> Let's repeat the second one that starts with I don't. I don't drive. <laughs> what, was, what did I say when I sent it to you? What was the words I sent to you? Oh, you know what? I don't, I don't see the kind. Oh, hold on. Uh, it says uh, don't be single, I think. Yeah, I think it was something. Like, yeah, never be single. I told Rob they'll make beautiful babies. Uh-huh. So, in my that, defense, uh, the eighty-eight percent. <laughs> ladies, if you're out there, it probably doesn't take much to get to a ninety percent match because you just heard what eighty-eight percent sounds like. I feel like I had not really filled out that profile very much, so there wasn't a lot to go on yeah, for no, that I'm percentage sure. match. No, that's cool, buddy. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> I, uh, it's all it's all in capitals. It's it's just it's goddamn frightening. I don't drive. Yeah. <sighs> I, I don't. I don't get it. I'm fascinated by your uh, online dating. <laughs> Not your online date, but online dating is such a weird, yeah. weird thing. Um, to, and I'm sure it's not that weird to people who are doing it. Um, but for, from from an outsider's perspective, it's just fucking bizarre. Well, and again, like I just said, you had this interaction in person and you were fucking befuddled. Yeah. 
But I know you've gone on a bunch of dates with chicks you've met on, I don't know, Tinder or whatever. App. Oh, yeah. But, like, I'm really bad at picking up on signal. Like, it took me a while to figure out what was going on when she kept saying, what time do I get off? Like, yeah. The second. And so the first time I would have been like, what the fuck did I just say that sounded like that? You know what I mean? Yeah. I think the second time she should have been pretty clued in anyway. But I definitely don't have, like, the ability to, like, pivot in the moment in those situations and yeah. actually, like, turn it into something normal i just ignore it and hope it goes away and then maybe try to salvage it later so i, I was gonna cut this because we're with, with spoiler talk we're well over an hour and 40 minutes yeah. now <laughs> but let's analyze that for for a second as a guy i don't think any of us are prepared for that type of uh, and i'm saying aggressive lightly because it wasn't aggressive but you know what i mean i, I don't think yeah. we're ready i think maybe when you're looking for a signal like i said you know joking or you're looking for the little hair flip or the the giggling at every dumb thing you say and you're like is this it is this it but when someone comes out with something like that i think it takes you aback a little bit right. i think it knocks you off balance so I, I'm, not, I'm not blaming you for that I don't think it's your inability to pivot. I think that it's surprising um, that that uh, that 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 was uh, that that was her approach. I guess. Yeah, I agree. Nothing wrong with it. The world should be more like that, if you ask me. But it's not, at least by and large, not not for me. But you know, but I don't think that's how it is for anybody. Girl goes after what she wants. Gotta respect that. But like, I I, I think so. It's almost like it's a little bit of an ambush because like. We're, we literally just had a transaction of like money for goods and um it's the middle of the day and it's not like a bar right. yeah. It's like, yeah yeah i'm not at like i'm not like in a you know yeah not at a bar not at a club uh you're the per yeah and like and then there's the whole like my your job is to you know you're at your job i'm your customer there's always that potential to just misinterpret like your general friendliness that you have to put up as part of your job as being more than that. And like, like women have to deal with that all the time. Man. Right. Right. Yeah. So I, I think I just kind of downplay everything to like, just because she smiled at you doesn't mean she wants to jump into bed with you. But I agree. But when she four times mishears you say, did you just ask me what time I get off work? <laughs> that's pretty. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, 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 that's an yeah. open and closed case. That's a there. little more than a smile. So, yeah, I think that uh, we might have to have an emergency podcast session um, like day yeah. after tomorrow or something just to get an update on this. Like I, I spend a crazy weekend with um, the pizza girl of my dreams. Yeah. Dude, and she works at a pizza place. Now, this could go one of two ways. Either you're going to eat a lot of fucking pizza for, like, free, or you're never going to be able to go back to a fucking pizza place ever again. See, but that's the thing that the, – one of the qualities that I appreciate about myself, one of the many qualities that I appreciate about myself, is that I love awkward situations. And so, like, I could see myself, even if things go very poorly, still going and getting pizza there. She's going to spit on your pizza. Damn it, you bring up a good point. I don't want to eat other people's spit. Not not off a of pizza, anyway. No. All right, maybe I'll just Isn't have to never weird? eat pizza Isn't again. that weird? Because you're going to probably stick your tongue in pizza girl's mouth, but if she spits on your pizza, it's a whole different fucking right, story. it's gross. <laughs> it's a little weird. You're right, you're right. Oh, I'm telling you, there's another podcast uh, uh, blooming here. There has been for seven <laughs> years. I don't know what it is, but it's this weird shit that belongs on its own separate channel. Yeah. So... <laughs> Next week, we're going to have a pizza girl update. Um, we'll probably check in on the baby. 
but we will be reviewing a book by David Duchovny, actor David Duchovny, yeah, of Californication fame, yeah, or X Files, or X Files, or Aquarius. Was, did anybody watch Aquarius? I mean, was that was it popular? I watched. I knew it. It was no, on, it wasn't. No, it wasn't popular. really. Okay, all right, yeah, okay. So I don't know if he's from of Aquarius fame, but yeah. Um, Miss Subways. That'll be our next book review. Um, a little dated. It came out about a week ago, so we're a couple weeks behind. But we really wanted to jump on Adjustment Day, yeah. and we did with both feet, four yeah, feet, all four feet. Some fists. <laughs> yeah, there, there was a little bit of a uh, random elbow in there too. Um, but that's it for uh, for this week. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, until next time, I'm Livia Snedden, and I'm Rob Olson. Before I say keep reading, I just want to congratulate our friend John on his new job. Hey, congratulations, John. Keep reading.